0: The strongest election integrity measures in the country securing the vote or suppressing the vote
1: that the people of the state of florida will not be suppressed you're changing elections that made for television signing
2: i'm actually going to sign it right here it's going to take effect
0: (laughs) the lawsuits and the backlash Uh, i'm not running against them
2: because
3: i'm a fan i'm running against them because i know florida deserves
4: Christ goes for it again. The race for governor is on many have asked me to run for governor and the field may be growing fast. The big news and the big news
2: makers. right now this week in South Florida.
0: Good morning. Glad you could join us on this Mother's Day I'm Michael Putney.
2: I'm Glenna Milberg. Happy Mother's Day, Mama. That's <laughs> the most important thing. Florida's new election law is signed and now the target of lawsuits also and the way the governor staged that signing brought a whole new round of protest. Outside a 2024 campaign rally Trump DeSantis
5: 2024
3: my name's Deplorable Dan Five, six, seven.
2: 6 7 inside invitation only. <laughs> where the governor did state business for those at a West Palm Trump 45 fan club event signing into law changes to elections administration. One of the most controversial bills of the session. The elections law, the subject of lawsuits filed seconds after signing is one among several this session. Republican lawmakers acknowledge lay out a conservative movement narrative to the party faithful. Perhaps why the only press was national conservative cable news that got an exclusive. It reportedly HADN'T ASKED FOR.
5: I'M ACTUALLY GOING TO SIGN IT RIGHT HERE. IT'S GOING TO TAKE EFFECT. WHY NOT HAVE AN I.D. FOR VOTING?
2: THAT'S JUST ONE OF THE CHANGES I.D. REQUIRED FOR VOTE BY MAIL BALLOTS. AMONG OTHERS, THOSE HAVE TO BE RENEWED EVERY TWO YEARS NOW. AND THOSE POPULAR DROP BOXES WILL HAVE FINITE HOURS AND SECURITY.
0: Florida's 67 election supervisors opposed the election bill from the get-go. They called it unnecessary and said that it made it harder to vote by mail.
2: But that and some other of the more controversial components did not make it into the final version of what is now the law. Broward supervisor of elections, Joe Scott, is here to talk about what did make it in and the politics and the practical effects of what's to come. Mr. Supervisor, great to have you with us today. Good
0: good morning, Supervisor Scott. Great to see you. Thanks for being with us.
5: All right. Good morning, Glenn and Michael.
0: Thank you. You and the other 66 election supervisors uh, in the state called this bill unnecessary, obstructive. You said it's going to make it harder to vote. Explain your point of view. Why do you think it's going to make it harder to vote?
5: Well, one thing that's important for people to understand is that we have... A, a great process has been developed over many years to ensure that we that we are verifying that the ballots come back from the voter and that the voter is casting the vote. And whether that ballot comes back to us through the postal service or it comes through a drop box, our process on the back end is exactly the same when it comes to verifying the signatures. So basically, what the new law does is it basically implements really unnecessary conditions on who can deliver ballots back to the drop box. And these conditions are extremely confusing for the average person. Most people are going to know the rules. Right, and in well, effect,
0: if I can, Joe, if I can get you to stop. Explain the rules. What What do you think is confusing in this new bill?
5: Uh, so the main part that is confusing, for one thing, people are used to certain um, rules that have been in place. We've had 24-7 drop boxes for years now at our offices, and now people are gonna have to make sure they know what hours to drop it off. When um, The other thing is that when it comes to who can deliver a ballot, the law actually states who qualifies as an immediate family member. Because you can bring immediate family members, but you need to go back and and check the Florida law and see if that person living with you uh, counts as an immediate family member or not. Um, And then besides that, you can have two ballots of other people who aren't yourself or your immediate family member. So really, the bottom line is when you create confusing rules like this, it's one or two things are going to happen either people are going to unknowingly break the law because they're not aware or people are simply going to disengage from the process because they don't know exactly, you know, whether it's okay or not for them to bring that ballot in.
2: So it sounds like the onus is going to be on the supervisors of elections and the county really just like you do now to come election time, make sure that voters are aware and do know the rules. But what's interesting is I just want to put out there that even Republican lawmakers will tell you nothing was wrong, the governor said nothing was wrong with elections, that this is one of a few bills that became law this session by a Republican legislature who are moving the state conservative. They will tell you that. So here we are, and so here are now the rules. But the prevailing narrative is that it's going to disenfranchise and suppress the vote. And, And Supervisor, what you're talking about, the drop boxes are gonna be open for two weeks, 12 hours a day at multiple locations, dozens of locations. Uh, the rules of who can take your ballot, there are rules now that are just changing. So what, what is it specifically in this new law that you think suppresses a vote?
5: Uh, so one, I'd say probably the biggest thing is the fact that people's um, standing requests for a vote by mail ballot will be canceled after the 2022 election. So whereas before, the way people are used to um, requesting a vote-by-mail ballot is that you request that vote-by-mail ballot, and it is good through the next two election cycles. And now everybody's request will be canceled after the 2022 election. Right, but they'll they'll have have
2: a whole year to re-request. I mean, now about, to your point, the ballot is good for four years, so two general elections but right. two years is a really long time. Why would that suppress a vote? Two years to reapply? Well, again, reapply.
5: Yeah. Well, again uh, for the, the general public, for the average person, you know, really has no idea that the rules changed. So they're going to be expecting their ballot and they're not gonna get their ballot. And for the most part, people are going to miss out on elections that are happening. I'll tell I'll give you a great example. When we just saw with the municipal elections that we just had in March, we went from having about 9% turnout in that election to over 14% turnout, which is, I mean, no, these municipal elections are notorious for low turnout. But we know for sure that because of COVID-19, a lot of people requested vote by mail ballots. Those requests were still good. So they received a ballot for that municipal election, and it actually led to a much to a big increase in the number of people who voted in that municipal election. So there is a benefit to people who have a standing request, people who are using their vote by mail ballot to continue getting their ballots because then they'll participate in more elections.
0: Yeah, Uh, Supervisor, uh, let me just point out uh, that in Miami-Dade County for the last several years, uh, someone has only been able to uh, bring two additional ballots anyway. So that part of the law, it's not new in Miami-Dade. Let me ask you about drop boxes. It, very popular, really essential in the last presidential election, given the pandemic. Uh, the, what the legislature added was they've got a shorter time period just during the uh, uh, you know, the, the election, Uh, but it says that they have to be monitored 24 hours a day by video surveillance or have an election worker on duty. Now that doesn't seem radical, does it?
5: So the video surveillance part is no longer acceptable. There has to be election workers on duty. Um, So the 24 hour drop boxes that we offered before, we actually did use video surveillance and we had no problems, There there was no fraud. So now there's going to definitely be decisions made because we all organizations have limited resources. So at this point we cannot keep the drop boxes available to voters around the clock because there will have to be staff present. And we won't and, and that's just something that won't be very feasible. Um, and that was the idea, was that we'll have to set hours simply because the the drop boxes have to be staffed.
2: So, practically speaking, do you know how many people were dropping their ballots off at 2 in the morning or 4 in the morning and not within the 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. 12-hour early voting window that you might have people readily available? Do do you have that, that information, that data?
5: No, I, I don't know the exact number. And, and I'll tell you, it, it sort of varies, right? So when we first send out the vote-by-mail ballots, which is 45 days before an election, there's a big burst of activity almost immediately, because there's people who get their ballots and want to turn it back in right away. Then there's a lull, and then there's a, a big um, group of people who want to submit their ballots at the last minute, the last few days before the election. So you know, in the middle there, there are definitely times when there's nobody dropping off ballots at the drop boxes. So so that's what makes it so difficult to say, when are we going to staff the drop boxes? Because nobody wants to see their taxpayer dollars used unnecessarily and have people sitting out at a drop box that nobody's using. So that's where you get to this challenge of figuring out when to make the drop boxes available, and then you have to communicate that to the public. Yeah. So right. it just makes it a lot more difficult, really. The logistics are much harder.
0: Supervisor Joe Scott, stay where you are. Everybody at home will be back more with the Supervisor of Elections from Broward in just a minute. We are speaking this morning with Joe Scott, the Broward Election Supervisor. We're very glad you're with us. Uh, Mr. Scott, let me ask you about the voter ID requirements that this new bill have called for a voter who wants to a mail-in ballot has to either provide a driver's license or a state idea ID or the last four numbers of their social security number, uh, which is new. But why is this onerous? Why would this discourage somebody from voting?
5: Uh, Well, hopefully, I hope, I really hope it doesn't. And and I'm happy that the legislature gave three different options. Um, This is actually something that Uh, when it comes to verifying identity this is something that i was in favor of right from the start and if this bill had simply stuck to being about security measures and making sure that people couldn't hijack somebody else's identity i would have been totally in favor of it it's really the idea that they're trying to put these restrictions on the drop boxes that's really the the big problem that we have with this bill
2: so let's talk about what's to come in your office oh i i might tell you we are speaking with the league of women voters of florida president right after Uh, this segment um, they filed lawsuit among other groups and you're you're one of the ones sued all 67 (laughs) supervisors of elections aside from the Secretary of State and uh, the Attorney General so you're sort of in a position to administrate this now give us a sense of the man and woman power and the cost and what your plans are to really make sure voters are aware and uh, and do the right thing
5: absolutely so you know we're going to do everything we can to communicate you know as far as um, you know right now we're really focused on preparing for this upcoming special election Um, you know we've actually put forth a lot of work and coordination in advance of this special election to try to make sure that we have the dates and that we can get all the representatives in place before the next legislative session starts which seems to be one of the biggest challenges we're having now is coordinating with Tallahassee and coordinating with the governor because he's not really um, it, although he said he coordinated with our office, that's not really how this ended up working out.
2: Yeah. I could explain that if you would, what, what does that mean?
5: Sure, absolutely. So, you know, so when he mentioned the dates for the election, when he first put them out, he said that he had coordinated with our offices, which is to a degree true, but the fact is, is that the dates that he put out were not feasible and it was something that was considered by myself as well as the Palm Beach Supervisor of Elections to not be the feasible dates. And we actually worked out with the Division of Elections, with the school superintendents, who we depend on for polling places, to actually have the special election on August 31st and the general election on November 2nd. Furthermore, we wanna make sure that all of the representatives who are resigning to run can have their replacement elections at the same time as well. So I've actually spoken with the three legislators who have already declared that they're running and everybody agrees to go ahead and submit their resignations so that we can have all of the special elections happen at the same time. It's really the responsible thing to do for us to do this August 31st and November 2nd, to have these representatives in place before the session starts in January. And it's really puzzling why he didn't go with the dates that we had planned for.
0: Yeah, well, we, we just would point out that the dates set by the governor, I think, as you said, November 2nd for the primary, January 11th, 2022. For the general Joe Scott very good to speak with you this morning we'll be talking I'm sure in the future
2: thank you sir thank you
5: thank you Michael Glenda thank you for having me on thank you
2: you know hours after the governor signed the elections law a cross-section of voters rights and civil rights groups filed suit to overturn it in federal court
0: the League of Women Voters a nonpartisan organization is the lead plaintiff in one of those suits Patricia Brigham is the president of the League of Women Voters of Florida. She joins us now via Skype. Patty Brigham, welcome. We're glad Good morning. to see you.
1: Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And your lawsuit uh, that you have filed, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and all these other groups, you know, uh, against Senate Bill 90, this new voter law, it says, quote, that it creates barriers and burdens that impact all Florida voters and disproportionately impacts the ability of black voters. Latino voters and voters with disabilities to cast their ballots. Explain how you think that is. So why is that?
1: Well, it does create special hurdles for communities of color who may, excuse me, not have the access to uh, these ballot drop boxes that they once would, since these ballot drop boxes are going to be limited to being uh, at the early vote centers. Uh, Also, we have to remember that Florida is a tourism destination. Uh, We have theme parks, beach resorts, hotel, restaurants, and many, many service workers who work all sorts of odd hours. And multiple jobs, because a lot of those service workers, uh, they're just not paid enough to to sustain a living with one uh, job. So they rely on those ballot drop boxes at odd hours. And now that the state is going to restrict those drop boxes to just early vote site hours and just being uh, placed mainly at those early vote sites is going to cause problems for many, many Floridians who are low income, uh, people of color. Of course, you're going to have problems for the disabled, who uh, it's going to be harder for someone to drop off a ballot as the supervisor was talking about.
2: um, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the drop boxes are such a bone of contention here. In your lawsuit, Mm -hmm. I I just want to make everyone aware that the Elections Administration is what the name of the law is. In your lawsuit, you call it the election suppression law throughout. Um, But these drop boxes, I want you to know I went through your lawsuit and I went through the law and I made bullet points on what the differences were. So the drop boxes and what you in the lawsuit call severely limit drop boxes, right out of the law, must be geographically located so as to provide all voters in a county with equal opportunity to cast a ballot uh, only during early voting hours, which is 12 hours a day for two weeks Except for the ones at the supervisor of elections office, because those can be there 24 7. So, severely limit, and the actual detail of the law is is sort of
1: confusing. How is that severely limiting? Well, it's meant to confuse. Let me just say this this bill should never have been filed. The governor himself said that Florida put on a near perfect election last year. It was a model election. There was no fraud. Then he turned around in the same uh, sentence, basically, and said that we need major election reform. No, we do not. Why change a winning game? We had historic turnout in Florida under a a global pandemic. 1.5 million Floridians used those drop boxes. Now that they're going to be limited limited in the hours they are available, you're going to see less people using them. And yes, this, this law is going to sow confusion and a lack of confidence among Florida's voters who will likely be scratching their heads trying to figure out why these changes are being made when there were no problems last year.
2: Okay, it is, it's the politics of it and that's actually a component, but today we really wanna inform people on the practicalities of this law. Sit tight, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back.
0: On this Mother's Day, we are talking to Patty Brigham, who is the president of the League of Women Voters of Florida. And glad that we are. Patty Brigham, uh, the governor, on, on Thursday signed the bill into law. In fact, Glenna was there, was close by. Outside. She couldn't <laughs> be in the ceremony because the governor, you know, made it exclusive to, as it happened, Fox News, his favorite Media outlook uh, uh, outlet. Uh, the question I've got here is that you know Florida's Sunshine Law says when a public official, the governor, uh, is doing the public's business, he's got to do it in public. It's got to be accessible. Did it bother you, uh, as the LD League of Women Voters president, to see the governor doing some public business in essentially a exclusive setting?
1: Yes, uh, that's very troubling. Uh, we are the sunshine state, and we have sunshine laws. And to ban uh, any other reporter other than reporters affiliated with Fox News from covering state business is extremely disturbing, and Floridians should be concerned about that. That is acting as that is a near-authoritarian move.
2: Patty, can we get back, uh, if we could, to the actual bill? There's something sure. in your lawsuit that I, I really want to drill down a little bit. Um, the League of Women Voters, as a third party, you do a lot to register voters, get out registrations, get out the vote. That is the service that you provide, one of many. Okay. Um, in the lawsuit, you, the lawsuit has a real issue with a component that... Uh, essentially puts a 150 foot barrier, already a 100 foot barrier before the law, it extends it another 50 feet, for people assisting on election day voters. Um, You had framed it in the lawsuit that that'll be really difficult if you can't go and help voters and guide them and assist them. But what about an extra 50 feet makes that so much more onerous?
1: What makes this an onerous uh, provision in this, leg- or this uh, law is the fact that non-poll workers will not be able to assist voters, for example, who are thirsty standing in the hot Florida sun, and even in November it gets hot, they cannot give them water.
2: But that's, there's that, nothing, I know that's that's a big narrative, there's nothing about food or water in the bill at all, and right, well, not right now, there's a new that. law, but there is, theres there is there. Prior to this new law, you couldn't do that within 100 feet also. So now it's an extra 50 feet.
1: That's not correct. Uh, That is something that's been done for years. The league two years ago in the 2018 participated in what's called party at the polls. We've never seen anyone try to ban... Uh, groups from passing out water. There's something else in this uh, legislation that's even more troubling to third party registration organizations like the league and that it requires the league to uh, tell a voter who comes to register at one of our tabling events that we have to provide other alternatives to that voter. You don't have to register to vote now. You can go online and register to vote. Uh, we could lose a potential voter that way. That That is very troubling to us. Uh, but that's voter, know, I, I hate to, I'm just
2: playing devil's advocate right now and, and sure. just trying to challenge the narrative. But the, the component in, in the law says that you need to say that uh, as an yes. educational tool, that there are a lot of other options, but it doesn't that's prevent you from then education. going ahead and, and registering that voter. There's nothing that says well, you can't.
1: You have the voter right there in front of you, who has walked over your table to register to vote, why would you then turn around and say, you don't have to vote, you don't have to register now, you can register online. That doesn't make sense. That smacks of voter suppression. In addition, we would have to tell the voters that we may not get their voter registration forms into the Supervisor of Elections Office in a timely manner. That is something that doesn't happen with the league. We have a 100% success rate. This is an attack on our organization.
0: Yeah, well, we understand you feel that way. We're very glad to hear your point of view. And thanks for your time this morning, Patty Brigham.
2: And keep in touch, for sure. (laughs) Have a good day. Thanks so much. THE RACE FOR FLORIDA GOVERNOR OFFICIALLY LAUNCHED THIS WEEK AS CHARLIE CHRIST FORMALLY ANNOUNCED.
0: THE FORMER REPUBLICAN GOVERNOR, NOW A DEMOCRATIC, a CONGRESSMAN, AND ONCE EVEN AN INDEPENDENT AT ONE POINT, HE IS GOING TO JOIN US LIVE. THAT'S NEXT. As you surely know, Governor Ron DeSantis is running for re-election next year, and you could say that he kicked off his campaign this week when he signed the election bill on Fox News.
2: The race began officially this week with the first Democrat to announce. Charlie Crist is a former Republican governor, now officially running to be a Democratic governor at the moment. Crist is a third-term congressman from St. Petersburg and right there with us live. So good to see you, Charlie Crist.
0: Congress. Good to see you, Glenn and Mike. How are you all doing? We're, well, we're doing very
3: well. You and haven't
2: it... changed a bit since 2005.
3: <laughs> Neither have you. <laughs> uh, well, when you go gray early, there's not a whole lot else to change.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to call you Charlie. I've only known you for 30 years, uh, but I I'm don't respecting all, please, your, please. your office as a member of Congress. Uh, you know, Charlie, your motto for the campaign is Florida for all, and the clear implication is that Florida, under Governor Ron DeSantis, is a place for special interests and big money. Is that what you're really saying?
3: Precisely. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, as usual, Mike. I'm not surprised. But yeah, let's just look at the vaccine rollout as one example. Um, Though I want to get to the voting issue, too. That's important. But when you go to Ocean Reef, you go to Lakewood Ranch, you go to these white, wealthy, mostly Republican enclaves in Florida, and give them the vaccines first way back in January, you're not giving it to people in inner city Miami, you're not giving it to people in inner city Tampa. Uh, You're going to these selected places where people are giving you contributions. Uh, That's not for all, that's for some. And that's picking for losers.
2: that has been been a big narrative, but just in fairness, I just want to throw out there that we we have looked into a lot of that and we don't see any evidence of that and and the Democratic now a former director of emergency management refutes that so i just to be fair i wanted to put it out there but um, about your that's
3: fine that he does but it's a fact and facts are stubborn things that actually happened
2: so let's talk about your candidacy now that you are a bona fide candidate um, we know you as mr congeniality one of the nicest candidates on the campaign trail Um, you've been so many things for the state the attorney general you've been a senator you've been the education commissioner you've been governor Uh, You've been three different parties, and that allows your opposition now to sort of start launching their opposition on how you are an uh, opportunist and a, a chameleon, a political chameleon. How are you going to address that?
3: To tell the truth, I am who I am. You know, I've always believed that a woman should have a right to choose. I've always believed in protecting the environment. I've always believed in public education. I'm a public school kid myself, graduating from St. Pete High and Florida State University. You know, I've always believed that people have the right to vote. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter what party you are. You have core beliefs that were instilled in me by my mother—happy Mother's Day, mom—and my father. Um, that's really what it comes from. It comes from the the values that you're raised on. You know, they raised me and my three sisters uh, to try to do what's right. And and Glenn, it's never been about right versus left for me. It's been about right versus wrong, honestly. And 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 I see what's happening with this governor is wrong excluding people and making it harder for them to vote. You just did a great piece on it. Congratulations for doing that. Uh, I'm glad that they're being sued. Uh, hopefully, the unconstitutionality of that law will be exposed. And people will have and make it easier for them to vote by mail. My 88-year-old father, my 86-year-old mother love to vote by mail. Many seniors in the Sunshine, sunshine State do. And, and so I think it's anti-senior. I think it's wrong. Having less of the drop boxes as you talked about in your earlier segment, is is appalling. Why would you want to make it less convenient to vote and exercise your right to democracy unless you're anti-democracy?
0: Yeah, you know, governor... Uh, if, if go I ahead, can, Mike, yeah. if, Excuse me, if I can kind of jump in here. Uh, not surprisingly, Governor DeSantis this week sort of uh, truly ridiculed you for the fact that you have been a Democrat, a Republican, an independent... You know, he said a vegetarian, a libertarian. Anyway, here is uh, here's what the governor had to say about you. You know, people said Charlie, Chris, and I was just asking myself, what party is he going to run in this time? I mean, he's on a Republican, I know, lost before, independent, Democrat. But then I look at his voting record in the Congress. He has voted this Congress with Nancy Pelosi 100 percent of the time. All right, Charlie, why don't you respond that's to that? He says you vote with Nancy I've, Pelosi all the time.
3: No, I don't. And, 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 you know, but that's Ron, you know, he just unfortunately doesn't tell the truth. Uh, and, and that's kind of what today's hard right Republican Party is about. There's plenty of good Republicans. I don't want to paint too broad a brush um, because there are. But you know, this is a state that has almost 200,000 more registered Democrats and Republicans, a healthy swath of independent-minded voters, uh, NPAs, if you will, and and some very reasonable Republicans that don't choose to lie, as the governor just did. You know, he's getting that from the Trump playbook. He's kind of like the mini-me of Donald Trump. I don't think that's a, a winning hand in Florida anymore, particularly after the insurrection of January 6th, led on by the former president. Um, you know, he's doing so much. that's going hard to the right. It's hard to fathom. I mean, it almost looks like he's running for president, and to get that Republican nomination in '24, more than he cares about being governor of Florida. And it's heartbreaking to see that Florida's special. She is not a stepping stone. You know, but awesome. that's how he's treating her right now, and it's not right. And I believe the people deserve a choice, and that's why I'm running to give them a choice and to have a Florida for all, instead of just for some and the wealthy.
2: Can can we? Um, Can we go back to the COVID and vaccine rollout? You've been very critical just now of the governor. And I just, I wanna say this with deep sympathy to the families of 36,000 Floridians who have died of COVID. Um, uh, In the stats and data, Florida actually is a state that ranks as fairly successful in infection rates and in vaccination rates. Is there anything that, I mean, can you give credit about anything about that to the governor and his plan
3: Uh, no i won't and 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 because you can't i mean you know i went to the super bowl this year i'm a big tampa bay buccaneer fan and they had a great year and so i'm at the game and i'm wearing a mask i'm social distance i'm in the stands i'm not in a box i look up and i see the governor in a box not wearing a mask i mean he's not leading there still isn't a plan for our vaccine rollout it's a hodgepodge and it's a mess and and you know to to say that you know 36,000 of our fellow Floridians are are dead. I mean, God rest their souls. But my word, if the governor would have had a plan, if the governor would have led by example, worn a mask and encouraged it, if not mandated it uh, for the state of Florida, how many people would be alive today? How many less of that 36,000 would be gone? I mean, think about that. It's it's unconscionable. That we have a governor who beats his chest about being open and you know making sure everybody can go around and and not have to social distance and you know go party all you want, come to spring break. What in the world's going on? And what's he doing with the cruise industry now? He's saying that people can go on a cruise if not all people are vaccinated. I I met with the leader of Norwegian Cruise not long ago, and he was appalled by that. He said, "Charlie, I don't understand how a leader." you know, alleged leader, like our governor, is saying that you don't want to have everybody vaccinated and stuff them all on our boats, our, our cruise ships, and, and risk us having an outbreak. Definitely right
2: definitely we, diverging philosophies, yeah. no doubt.
0: We understand. Uh, before we run out of time, couple Safety of issues. Safety first. That's on how I, what I was
3: raised by my medical doctor father. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we want to get you to weigh in on Charlie. At the 11th hour in the legislature, almost at the, really, the last day Uh, some Republicans got a bill that essentially bans trans girls from playing scholastic sports, and the governor says he's going to sign that. Uh, If you were the governor, would you sign it?
3: I would veto it. I I, I can't believe they're spending time on something like that when we're in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, are they just trying to make political points with the hard right and and being cruel to children? You know, we deserve better. You know, I, I have a deep faith and I believe in the golden rule and treating others as you would treat yourself. And they're doing exactly the opposite. The governor's doing exactly the opposite. It is wrong. It is shameful. It is is ungodly. I, I just, I can't believe it. And, you know, if we just would do unto others as they would do unto yeah. us and follow the golden rule, uh, this this would be a lot better yeah. place, well, and, the, the, uh, the, and I'm hopeful for that. And I look forward to beating out Ron DeSantis next
0: year. The golden rule uh, still applies, we hope, in all our lives, even in politics. Charlie Crist, great to speak with you. We look forward to having you in our studio one day soon. I look forward to it, too, Mike. Thanks so much.
2: We look forward to having you on the campaign trail here often.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks very much. Charlie Crist is going to face some stiff competition from other Democrats in the state.
2: Congresswoman Val Demings might be one of them. And we're going to hear from her when we come back. Great to hear from Charlie Christ. He is the first to enter the race for Florida governor, but some of Florida's highest-ranking Democrats are making some moves.
0: And one is Congresswoman Val Demings of Orlando. This week she put out a very slick video showing the arc of her career on the very same day that Christ announced as a candidate Demings is a rising star in Democratic politics. Will she run? I asked her that question late this week.
4: You know, Michael, I am not sure yet. I am seriously considering a statewide run. Of course, I'm talking to, with my family still, talking to uh, some friends and supporters, talking to consultants and people around the state. Many have asked me to run for governor. Many have asked me to run for, for the Senate. I'm still in the process of making a decision. I know I need to make this decision, but I'm going to, you know, make it with all of the information that I need so I can better serve other people of Florida.
0: Congresswoman, uh, you are a woman of many first. Uh, I mean, you are, I think, maybe the first college graduate uh, in your family. You were a police officer, then you were police chief of Orlando, and now you are a member of Congress. Uh, we saw it four years ago, or two years ago rather, that in the state of Florida that voters were willing to vote for a black candidate, Andrew Gillum, nearly won. Do you think that your race or gender in any way is a hindrance uh, if you should decide
4: to run? You know, Michael, thank you so much for bringing up uh, my upbringing. I was born and raised in Florida. Uh, my mother was a maid and my father a janitor. I grew up poor, but my mother always really drilled in me that... You know, don't be defined by simply your race or your gender. Don't be defined by what people may tell you that you cannot do. Be defined by your ability to work hard and play by the rules. And I've just taken my mother's words to heart really throughout my life. And so what I believe Floridians are looking for, just like the people in Congressional District 10, they're looking for people who really genuinely care about the issues that they worry about every day. They're looking for people who genuinely understand the issues that they struggle with because I've had struggled with those same issues, struggling to make ends meet, struggling with racism, sometimes struggling with gender bias. And so I think Floridians want the most competent individual who understands their struggles and is committed to doing something about them.
0: Uh, Congresswoman, as you well know, on Thursday of this week, Governor Ron DeSantis went to West Palm Beach to what essentially was kind of a pro-Trump, pro-Santis rally, and on Fox News signed this uh, new election reform bill, which he says is going to be make elections, have more integrity in Florida and a lot of other people. Perhaps you are saying this bill amounts to voter
4: suppression. How do you see it? The bill amounts to voter suppression and and Michael, it is extremely disappointing. Look, you know, I was always taught that you don't have to lie, steal and cheat to win. All I want ever wanted was a fair opportunity to do so. We know that voting is one of the most precious rights. I remember my parents, the maid and the janitor, no matter how long the day's work was, they would always make it to the polls. I cannot remember a time that they did not vote. And that's because they clearly understood that their vote leveled the playing field, that their vote mattered as much as the richest man or woman in town. And so the bill does amount to voter suppression. And it's interesting, last year, the governor said that Florida really um, process was a model and other states should follow it. Yeah. So clearly, if Florida's system was a model just a few short months ago, yeah. why are you changing it in a significant way now? The governor is has a solution, and running around looking for a problem. You know, and I also am reminded, as a police chief, I certainly did my share of press conferences. And, you know, I can remember some some controversial issues that we had to talk about. The public, no matter how painful it was sometimes had the right to know. Imagine if we had a controversial issue at the police department, and I chose one station, one media source to come and cover it, who was my friend. There is no way. Orlando would have let me get away with that. The nation or the or the state would have let me get away with that. Yeah. And so the public has a right to know. Uh, the governor made a decision to uh, only give it to his friends so they could tell his story the way he needed it told.
0: Yeah. Well, Fox is his uh, mouthpiece, as it were. It's where he often goes. Uh, you know, Congresswoman, let me ask you, given your what, 26 years you were Orlando police officer, then chief for uh, four or five years. Uh, I want your opinion about this new anti-rioting bill that the legislature passed and the governor uh, is going to sign, or maybe he's already signed it. Um, You know, it would impose really stiff penalties on people who are in the streets, even people who perhaps were not violent, but who got caught up in a violent demonstration they would be subject to some uh, third degree felony charges staying in jail until a magistrate was available Uh, what is your opinion of this anti-rioting bill
4: well you know we know that a person's uh, ability to demonstrate to participate in peaceful protests is one of the fundamental rights of this country As a 27-year law enforcement officer, I've had an opportunity on multiple occasions to work demonstrations involving groups like the Ku Klux Klan, involving groups like the neo-Nazis and others. And what I clearly understood, Michael, is while I did not, certainly did not always agree with the group's philosophy, as a sworn law enforcement officer, I certainly agreed with and supported their right to demonstrate their right to freedom of speech and again i think it's absolutely shameful that the governor would create this anti-protest bill that will basically say if you're there you're a peaceful protester you are doing it right then you can be caught up and held accountable and penalized even arrested um, for those who may be engaged in-in wrongdoing. And then to insinuate that it's okay to d- drive through the crowd, perhaps. Look, we have some painful memories just a few years ago in Charlottesville right. of someone, a murderer, driving through the crowd and-and killing a young woman. And so, here again, I think this bill has racial overtones. I think it's absolutely shameful. When I read it, I'm reminded of the saying, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, Mm -hmm. targeting a specific group of people. And uh, I think the governor, who is responsible for representing all Americans, all Floridians, sorry, all Floridians, also responsible for protecting the basic rights guaranteed by the Constitution of this country, should be ashamed of himself when he creates laws, signs laws, that really restricts, and in some instances, Totally takes away those rights. Yeah.
0: Representative, we have about a minute left. Uh, you are extremely well known in Central Florida. You have had a very successful career there uh, in law enforcement now as a member of Congress. You are, frankly, not so well known in the rest of the state. I mean, I'm very glad we're having this uh, conversation this morning because a lot of people in South Florida will get their first impression of you. But, you know, to run a statewide campaign, takes a lot of money as well as will. Uh, Will you have enough money if you run?
4: Well, you know, Michael, I believe in taking care of home first, right? And there is a scripture that says, if you are faithful with a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. Should I decide to run statewide? then it is my job, and you're right. It's gonna take a lot of money if I do that, but it will then become my job and my teen's job to take the work that I have been so dedicated and committed to here in Central Florida and, and, and tell that story in the northern part of the state. I was born and raised in Jacksonville. I went to Florida State University in, in, in North Florida, uh, in Tallahassee, of course, but it will be my job and my team's job to go come to South Florida and tell my story for the voters and give them a glimpse of what the future will look like by somebody who has done the work. You know, my husband likes to say the best indicator of future performance is to look at past performance. Mm -hmm. I've dedicated my life to public service, and I do believe if I make the decision to run, I'll have the resources to do so, and I can't wait to visit you (laughs) in South Florida.
0: We would look forward to that. Representative Val great speaking with you. Thanks very much.
4: Thank you.
2: Our thanks to the Congresswoman, and we will be right back. We thank you for being here on this Mother's Day edition. Remember, <laughs> we're online 24-7 at local10.com.
0: And remember, stay informed, get involved, have a great Sunday, and do something nice for your mom. <laughs> <laughs>